بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته and welcome back to another Enfeed podcast with your host Shabir Hassan Alhamdulillah month of Ramadan is done this is the first podcast after the blessed month uh, I hope you all had an amazing Ramadan and an amazing Eid as well to our Enfeed family all across the world inshallah Right, so for today's episode, uh, very, very special indeed. And I know I pretty much say that quite a lot over uh, the episodes, but today is very special because we've got, uh, alhamdulillah, a very um, esteemed guest. Uh, but the guest is someone that you're familiar with. It's me, it's myself, it's the host. We, uh, we're going to keep it solo for today, inshallah, uh, before we resume with some more inspirational guests. Um, but it's always good to break it up every now and again. One thing that I actually wanted to to speak about and discuss in today's episode, really important now that the month of Ramadan is done, is uh, a specific act of worship which is known uh, as dua or supplication. Now this act of worship, uh, many of us actually, we we kind of get it wrong as to how to properly make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're probably thinking, how can you do a whole podcast episode on just making dua because it's something so simple you just literally raise your hands and you just say a few words and your dua is done now here's the thing just like salah is an act of worship or giving in charity is an act of worship right there is a way of making dua which i genuinely believe that so many of us we're just not doing it the right way so many of us we're not doing it effectively and that's probably why many of us we're we're kind of stuck we're making dua we're quite frustrated and we're feeling like you know Allah is not maybe accepting my dua Allah is not listening to me should I just give up making dua and I've actually come across so many people that have these same kind of thoughts and feelings where they've given up just making dua because they're like you know it's not working well probably why it's not working is because we're not doing it properly so inshallah in this episode that's exactly uh, what we are going to explore because the prophet said that a dua huwa al-ibad. dua itself is an act of worship. What's so beautiful about making dua is that even though you're just asking Allah, you're literally just asking Him for favors. You're asking for your wishes, right? Um, but you're rewarded just for doing that. That's what's amazing. Like imagine if I make dua now and I ask Allah to give me something or ask Allah to give someone else something, I'm just rewarded for asking Allah. And if we give a real life example, imagine if you ask someone for a favor, your friend, uh, a family member, your neighbor, you ask them for a favor once, maybe twice, maybe three times, they'll be okay with it. They would think, you know what, it's fine, I know this person, I'll give them whatever they're asking for. But when you ask the fourth and fifth and sixth time, they're just going to get fed up. Most likely they're going to get angry, most likely they're going to feel frustrated and they're just going to be like, you know what, you keep asking, get out of here, right? Um, but what's amazing about when we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that each time we ask him, he's actually increasing in love for us more and more. And we're increasing in our rewards more and more just for asking. So maybe the first step we could say is that before you make dua, think about it like that this is not just an action that I'm doing for the sake of it. This is actually an act of worship which I'm getting rewarded for and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is increasing in love for me just because I'm asking him. When we get into the correct frame of mind, a lot of the times uh, when it comes to uh, certain acts of worship, it actually helps a lot. 
So let's start on that point, which is making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, knowing why we're making the dua. And when it comes to actually asking Allah, there's so many different things that we can take from the Quran, so many beautiful gems that we can take from the different prophets who made dua, and of course from the sunnah of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu exactly the way that he would have made dua and the things that he would have uh, made dua for. There's so many things that we can look at in the Quran uh, and, you know, which which are, which is just inspirational. Every time you open up the the Quran and you read the du'a, you need to kind of ask yourself, like, why did this prophet? Why did this individual make this du'a? And why was it so powerful? Why did Allah listen to the du'a? And I'm going to give you a few examples of that, right? But the, before that, there's one misconception about du'a, uh, which is that look, when I make du'a. If I ask most of you, uh, you'll probably say, yeah, it's it's like it lasts for maybe 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, three minutes maximum, right? Like when I raise my hands and I make dua, how long am I going to make dua for? Like what can I literally sit there and ask Allah about? That's what a lot of people have concerns, right? The example I always give is with this mobile phone, right? When you call someone, when you call your friend or whoever it is and you have a chat with them, right? How long, if you just go on to your call history, if you go on to your call log, your history, right? And just check the last few calls that you've made. Check the duration of those calls and average it out and then come back to, to, to me with an answer, right? Now, most of the time, what you're going to find is when you've spoken to whoever it is that you've spoken to on the phone, that conversation is not lasting for 30 seconds or a minute. Okay, unless you really don't like that person. But most of the time, we're calling people that we want to speak to, right? So... When you're checking your call log, you're going to find actually that those calls are lasting for 5, 10, 15 minutes. SubhanAllah, some of us are having chats for half an hour, 40 minutes, an hour on the phone sometimes. What are we speaking about? Ask yourself that question. When we're on the phone, what are we speaking about? We're speaking about our problems. We're pouring our heart out. We're complaining about our manager at work. We're, we're, we're talking about you know how difficult we're finding our studies. Like There's so many different things that we're that we might be talking about on the phone, right? And a lot of it is actually, is, is kind of like a waste of time, we could say. It's, it's not really beneficial what we're speaking about, okay? Uh, that's how we're talking with our friends or people who are close to us. Now, let's think about dua, which is also a conversation that you're having with your creator, with your sustainer, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If your conversation, if my conversation is only lasting for like, Half, uh, half, a, half a minute or a minute tops, two minutes with Allah, how is it that we have a problem now? Like, think about it. The same way that you're speaking to a friend or someone dear to you, that's the same way we should be kind of speaking to Allah. Dua isn't just, um, you know, just asking for, for a few things. Dua is literally like pouring your heart out and telling Allah like what it is that you're going through what it is that you need why do you need it like we should be prolonging our conversation with Allah as opposed to prolonging our conversation with uh, with friends so here's an example from the Quran that I, I really love giving and you're going to hear me mention this prophet quite a lot which is Musa alayhi salam prophet Moses uh, may peace and blessings be upon him uh, that many of us we know all of us we know who Musa salam is right but Allah in the Quran he mentions Musa salam's story in, in many different places and one of my favorites is actually uh, in Surah Taha I believe where he is having a conversation with Allah right and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks him a very simple question which literally just required a one word answer in response Allah says 
Allah says, What is in your right hand, O Musa? Okay, now what was in his right hand at the time? It was his staff. Okay, that, you know, the stick, the staff. Okay, that's what he's holding at the time. All he has to respond with is the first part of the following verse, which is, It's my staff. That's all he had to say. And he would have stopped there. And most of us, I, I genuinely believe, if I was in that scenario, in that situation, right, I would have done the same thing. If I asked me a qu- that question, I would have just been like, yeah, it's my stuff. Right. But Musa is clever. He's thinking, you know what? I've got this opportunity to speak to Allah. Let me prolong this conversation. So it's amazing. He goes, He goes, this is my stuff. And I use it. Uh, to lean on and I use it uh, to move around the cattle and the sheep and it has many other benefits as well he didn't have to say all of that he didn't have to say like what was the point it's like if I ask you a question I'm expecting a one word response and you're like yeah yeah you know uh, if I say to you what's in your right hand and you say it's my phone and uh, my phone I use it to make calls and I use it to whatsapp people and I use it to watch their own feed podcast and listen to it and it has many other benefits as well I'd be like listen Brother, sister, I didn't ask you to, to give me all of that e- detail. I just asked you what is in your hand. But Musa's clever, right? Alayhi salam. He knows, I've got this one shot, this one conversation with Allah. Let me prolong it as much as I can. That's the mindset and frame of mind that we should be in when we're making dua. It's so beautiful, right? Uh, and, and let me give you another example. This is a really, really deep and, and touching and inspiring story from the Quran which I believe all of us we can take a, a really powerful lesson from this is uh, Zakaria alayhi salam and he was you know at a point in his life it was quite difficult for him why because um, he was really old at this stage he was an old man his wife was also very old some scholars mentioned that he was in you know past the age of 100 and similar his wife, they never had children throughout their whole life, okay? And one kind of burning wish and desire of Zakaria Islam was that he really wanted to have a child. He wanted a son who could inherit from him and who could carry on, you know, uh, his lineage and who could be an example for the rest of mankind. But he was just getting to that age where he'd lost hope pretty much. I'm never going to have a child now. It's impossible for me to have a child at this stage for me and my wife. And, you know, let's just let's just carry on. But at such a crucial point in his life, he comes across a, a really ins- inspirational woman by the name of Maryam, who we know she was very young at the time and she was worshipping Allah. And she used to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a lot. And she would make dua for, you know, some, some, some things that maybe we might not even believe. And she would get things that we might not even believe. She would get food from nowhere, literally from the heavens. She would get food from paradise, right? So when he saw this, he was like, wow, this young woman is making dua to Allah, and Allah is providing for, and Allah is giving her, why can't I just make dua as well, and give it a shot, like what is there to lose when we make dua, if you think about it, even if it's something crazy, like we think, you know what, I will never get that chance, right, I will never get the chance to go for hajj, I just don't have the money to go for hajj, right, and I just, I can never in a million years imagine me going for it, but what is there to lose, if you just raise your hands and ask Allah sincerely, like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You don't go? Well, at least you, you made dua and the minimum you got reward for making dua, isn't it? So Zakaria, 
he thinks to himself, okay, what is there to lose? Let me make dua. So he, when he makes dua, uh, and, and his dua is specifically is mentioned in Surah Maryam, right? So you can read the verses right at the beginning. He goes, and, uh, and Allah says, That Zakariya, he made uh, dua to Allah, he supplicated to Allah uh, in secret. So here's one lesson that we can learn straight away, is that when you make dua, um, try to make dua like by yourself, in seclusion, in secret. Not where, because that way you have a like a more personal connection with Allah. Where, you know, again, if you're speaking to someone close to you, you don't want to have a loud conversation on the bus in front of everyone where they're listening to your conversation. You just want to go to the side and have your own convo, right? So similarly with Allah, just go by yourself where your mind and everything is just is fresh. Your heart is free from everything else. There's no distractions. And you can just speak to Allah directly. That's what Zakaria did, okay? And again, you know, the du'as and the wishes and the goals that you have, you don't need to share it with everyone. That's why he, he kept it to himself. So we don't need to go on social media and tell everyone, right, this is my plan for the next year. These are my goals for 2019. This is what I'm planning to do by 2025. I want to have this many kids. No one wants to know all of that, okay? Keep it to yourself and to Allah. Like, it's okay. You can tell Allah all of that. So anyway, he didn't tell anyone. He goes by himself. And he makes uh, a very secretive dua to Allah, right? Uh, in seclusion. And it's the wording that, I, that I'm that i amazed about the most. It's the way he begins the dua. He says, Rabbi, you know, inni wahan al-azmu minni. Like he's, he's having a conversation. He didn't just go straight into it and say, Allah, I want a child. Give me a child. No. He starts by saying, oh my Lord, um, I've become really old. And, and, and just bearing in mind, he's talking to Allah. He doesn't actually need to tell Allah any of this because... Like he's, Allah knows, of course, right? Allah knows he's old, but he's, he's kind of spelling it out. He's saying, my Lord, I've, I've become really old now. You know, my bones have become very fragile and frail and weak and gray hair has spread over my head. Look how descriptive he's getting, right? And he says, my wife, she's barren. She's never given birth to any children. And he's explained his scenario, his situation. And he says, oh Allah, like, You've always had my back. You've always been there for me. I've never lost, you know, uh, hope in you. I know you've always been there for me. And then he continues and, and he explains why he wants a child. He says, grant me a child so that, you know, grant me a righteous child so that he can inherit from me and he can inherit from my uh, pious uh, forefathers, those who are close to you, from Yaqub and the, and the likes of them. And, you know, he makes his dua, he spells it all out and then he ends his dua. So, that's one of the things that I want to, to that I want everyone to focus on is the way he made du'a and how he kind of spelt it all out and, and how he spoke to Allah directly. Like he let it, he got got everything off his chest. So Allah, did he reject his du'a? Even though most of us would think at this point, it was a, a pointless and a useless du'a to make because there's no way that Allah is accepting his supplication. But Allah actually, subhanAllah, accepts his du'a. And not only does Allah accept his du'a, he says, Ya Zakaria, inna nubashiruka bi ghulam, that oh Zakaria, we are giving you good news that you're going to have a child, ismuhu Yahya, his name is Yahya. Now for those of you who don't know, Yahya alayhi salam, he grew up to become another prophet of Allah. So not only did Allah grant him a child at an age where it's pretty much impossible to have a child, okay, in 99% of, of, the, of the cases, but Allah gives him a child who's a righteous child who also grows up to become a prophet and nabi of Allah himself, subhanAllah, right? So Zakaria was amazed, his wife was amazed, 
And it's just one of those stories. It's like a happily ever after story, right? It's like there's good news in the end, which, and it just went against the norm. But this is the power of dua. This is literally the power of dua. And again, it's, that's not the only case. You have the same thing with Ibrahim alayhi salam. He makes dua. Allah accepts his dua at an old age. He's also given a child who also goes on to become a prophet of Allah. So you can see here that you know we when we're making dua, we need to make dua properly. And this is literally the proper way where we call Allah with his names. We, we make it personal. That's the thing. We have to make it personal, right? Where you're speaking to Allah like a friend almost, right? Some of you might think that's a bit weird, but you have to start like that. And when you start having a conversation with Allah, I want you all, those of you who are listening and watching, I want you all to test it out and try it out. Now that the month of Ramadan is done, I want you to test it out and think, okay, I'm going to make dua today, right? Whenever it is, whenever your time to make dua is, like some of you, you might prefer to make dua in the night, some of you at tahajjud time, some of you after fajr, right? I, I prefer like morning time, like after fajr. I, I feel like that's just a really nice time to make dua. It's like nice and fresh. It's the start of the day and... You know, it's just it's just a nice time to make dua for me personally, but for other people it might be different times. So whatever that time is for you, because remember, dua you can make at any time. It's not after salah. That's the beauty of dua compared to any other acts of worship is that you can make dua in any uh, at any time. You can make it literally in any place. You can do it in any position. Like you don't need to be in a masjid. You don't need to you don't need to be I don't know uh, in, in 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 a place which is like a, a a mosque or a place which is like a, a, a certain setting. You can literally make it at home, you can make it in a mosque, you can make it in the car, you can make it anywhere, right? And the most important key part of making dua is it can be made in any language. It can be made in any language. Again, for, for a lot of you might be like, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, you don't have to make dua in the Arabic language specifically. Though it's good to use some duas from the Qur'an, you know, there's many du'as in the Qur'an. Rabbana du'as, Allahumma du'as. There's many du'as that our Prophet Sallallahu he taught us. Um, but that doesn't mean our du'as are restricted to those supplications only. In fact, if we restrict it, then we're restricting ourselves. And, in fact, we're actually, it's going to be of detriment. It's going to cause a problem. Because for many of us, when we're making those Rabbana du'as, and they're all really beautiful, we actually don't, we don't understand what we're saying most of the time. We don't actually know what does this dua mean? What does this dua translate to? What is, what is the context of this dua? We're just making it because we've memorized it and it's just, it's just force of habit. We're just saying it as soon as we raise our hands. But actually, if let's say you do that as one part, you, you, you say those duas and then you go into whatever language you're accustomed to, you're, whether it's English or any other language, right? And you just speak to Allah and you say, Allah, this is what I'm going through. This is the problems that I'm facing now. This is what I really want. This is the reason why I want it, etc., etc. And you keep going. So the challenge is, I want you to try to make dua right from today, and then after that, just just kind of like subconsciously time yourself. Okay, how long was that? You're gonna start off with, like we said, thirty seconds a minute, and you're gonna run out of things to say. And then the following day, try again and try every day. I promise you, within a few weeks, your dua will go from being thirty seconds to a minute long, to now all of a sudden the dua. Is like five minutes, six minutes, and it's going to get to a stage where you're 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 making dua for so long that you're like, okay, I need to end the dua. It's going to get to that stage, trust me. But you have to keep on practicing uh, and going over 
um, you know, dua in general and you need to go over and you need to practice how to make dua. If you do that and you make it personal in that sense, I promise you, your dua all of a sudden is going to be really long and you're going to you're going to literally not run out of things to say. It's going to be a lot harder to run out of things uh, to say. And I want to give you a few a few other stories about dua, right? And how dua has impacted the lives of so many people in the past where, again, we're going through so much difficulty. Make dua for ourselves, we make dua for our family members, or sometimes we need to make dua for the ummah. So here's another story, right? And again, it's a story that, I've, uh, that I always speak about, which is duas of people who you would never have expected them, their dua to uh, have been uh, accepted. So one of them is, uh, it's a crazy story, and since it's in the Quran, is about Iblis. Right, or oh, it's about Shaytan as we know him as, and we know who he is, and we know his whole story, and I'm not going to go into that. But what's amazing is how in in Surah Al-Safat and a few different other surahs, Allah, when He explains the whole story of Iblis, right, and again we know what happened. Allah creates Adam salam and Iblis at this stage he's not a bad person or being, right? He's actually there in the company of the angels, and he's actually someone very close to Allah. He's he's a worshiper of Allah, and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, he commands everyone there in, in his presence to bow down, to prostrate, right? Ustruduli Adam, that bow down and prostrate to Adam, alayhi salam. Now, we know what happened. Everyone prostrated, everyone bowed down to Adam, alayhi salam, except illa Iblis, except this one guy, Iblis, right? That he was arrogant, he turned his back, and he was like, I am not, uh, you know, prostrating to this guy. Allah asks him, Why? Because listen, I'm better than him. You created me from fire. You created this guy, right, from from mud and clay. And clearly, fire is more superior. I'm better than him. I don't need to 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 worship this guy, or not worship. I don't need to uh, bow down and prostrate to this guy. So clearly, this is going to anger Allah. This is a clear act of disobedience. He's done this in front of Allah, in front of the angels. It's like that one naughty kid in the classroom, like everyone's behaving, everyone's listening to the teacher and you've got that one naughty kid, that one rebel in the class that stands up and says, I ain't listening to you, walks out. Everyone's like, wow, how did he just like, or she just do that? Like, how do they have the courage to do that? This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, imagine, yeah? So he does this and he's like, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bowing down. Or prostrating, gives his reasons why. Allah's really angry. Out of his anger, Allah says, get out of here, basically. Allah says, leave, get away from us, and and you're basically expelled. But before he leaves, Iblis, he makes a dua. He actually makes dua to Allah. And I want you to just focus on some of these wordings, okay? Like, he makes dua to Allah, he makes a request. And he says, Rabbi fa'anzirni ila yawmi yuba'athun. Right. He says, oh Allah, grant me respite, grant me respite. In other words, like give me a long life until the uh, last day, until the until like the very last point of this life before obviously Day of Judgment and all of that. Like give me life up until then. And he gives the reason. Why does he want an extended life? Is it just because he wants to enjoy life? No, he actually says that, you know, I want to misguide and I want to uh, go and make your servants oh Allah go astray I want to misguide all of them that's why give me enough time I want to challenge you and I want to misguide all of them imagine this so he's making dua but it's clearly a wrong dua he's making dua for the wrong reasons and he's given his reason why which is not a good reason at all and again in the wording of his dua he says 
He says, Oh Allah, by your honor. I'm going to misguide all of them. So look at how he's talking to Allah. He says, Rabbi, he says, oh my Lord. He actually calls Allah his Lord. He says, by your honor. He actually, Iblis, I mean, it might sound funny, but he actually knows how to make dua. He's almost teaching us how to make dua. Like by calling Allah by his good names, by, you know, uh, by mentioning the honor of Allah and all of these things and giving the reason as to why he's making the dua, which many of us aren't doing. Anyway, so what did you think the outcome is of, of this? Did Allah just say, listen, how dare you even have the courage to make dua or to ask something of me? Right, isn't it? Because that same kid that I mentioned in the classroom that just disobeyed the teacher, imagine if he comes 10 minutes later and says to the same teacher, oh, can you give me an ex- can you give me an extra break, please? Can you give me a treat, please? The teacher will say, you know, how how dare you? You just disrespected me in front of all of the other students. And now you're asking me for a favor. So we might think that's what Allah would how how Allah would have responded. Allah would have just said, listen, you just disrespected me. There's no way that I'm going to give you your request. Subhanallah, Allah actually accepts the dua of Iblis. It's amazing. Allah says, Fine. You get your request, you're granted your request, and you are from those who are given respite. I'll give you your, your life, I'll extend your life up until that time. And Allah basically says, give it your best shot, try. Try to misguide my servants, do the best you can. And some of them will fall for it, but the rest of them who are devoted to me, they're going to be fine. So subhanAllah, Allah accepted the dua of Iblis. And the thing that I always say is, if Allah can accept the dua of Iblis, which clearly was a wrong kind of dua that he made, then why would we lose hope for? Many of us, we lose hope. Why would we lose hope in Allah for? Clearly, if we're going through something, then we need to just take that time out and make dua to Allah. And we shouldn't lose hope. Uh, and I want to mention the last few things, which is, first and foremost, um, when you make dua, one of the things I mentioned at the beginning is that sometimes we think that maybe Allah is not listening to us or maybe Allah is just ignoring us or you know maybe Allah is just not accepting our response and we kind of give up actually one amazing thing is that Allah never ignores his servants because Allah says in the Quran clearly that I will respond I will respond to the caller meaning the one who's making dua whenever they call upon me so if Allah has said that in the Quran that means for certain he's not going to ignore us, right? And again, in another part of the Quran, Allah says, Udu'uni, make dua to me, call me, astajibalakum, I will respond to you. So both, uh, both words in these two separate verses is, uh, is, I will respond to you. And this is the key, this is what I want you all to bear in mind, that when we make dua, right, even if our dua isn't accepted, even if we don't get what it is that we were asking for, that doesn't mean Allah hasn't responded to us. There's a difference between someone ignoring you and someone responding to you, but still not giving what you wanted. Right? Again, I'll give you an example, which is, let's say you've asked your manager, your boss at work. Let's say you've, you've knocked on their door and, I don't know, you've asked them for something. You've asked for a promotion. You want to be promoted. Okay? Now, there's two outcomes, right? There's going to be, there's going to be a few different outcomes. One outcome is that they'll look at you in the face and they'll just look away and they'll carry on doing whatever they were doing and looking at their computer or laptop. They'll just completely ignore you. That's one outcome, okay? And then you'll just walk away and be like, wow, I just asked you for something nicely. 
and you just completely ignore it. That's one outcome, right? Another outcome is that they might say, okay, thanks for putting that request in. I appreciate you coming here. Uh, I'll get back to you, don't worry. I'll get back to you. That's not being ignored. That's like being responded to, but there's still something that you're waiting for. And also another thing could be that, yeah, they give you what is you're asking for. They're like, you know what? You deserve it. Here you go. Here's your promotion, right? Now, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will never do what the first thing was. He just ignores us, right? What Allah will do, and this is actually what Ibn Kathir mentions, uh, the different outcomes of dua. What are the different outcomes? Outcome number one, you make dua, you've asked for something. Let's just say, for example, you've asked Allah for a new job. Okay, you've asked Allah, Allah, I've applied for so many different jobs. Allah, I really need this job. Uh, please, whatever the best decision is, give me that job, right? So the first outcome is that you are given what it is that you asked for. So meaning your dua is actually accepted and you get what, you, what it is that you're asking for. That's like the ideal scenario. That's what everyone wants, right? Any dua that we make, whether it's to do with a job, whether it's to do with our family, whether it's to do with marriage, whether it's to do with worldly or the akhirah gains, right? Our like dream scenario is the dua is always accepted. It's always accepted. It's always accepted. That's the first outcome, which is like the ideal scenario. But the second outcome, if our dua isn't accepted, which many times it's true, our du'as aren't accepted in the sense that we're not given what, we are, what we've asked for. The second scenario and outcome is, as Ibn Kathir mentions, that okay, if Allah doesn't give you exactly what you are asking for in this world, the second outcome is that Allah will give you and grant you something far better and superior in the akhirah, in the hereafter, in the next life. So you might not get what it is that you're asking for now, but as a compensation, Allah will say, okay, fine, right? I'm going to suspend what I was about to give you until the next life. And whatever it is I'm going to give you in the next life, trust me, that's going to be much better for you in the, ne- in, in the next life than you would have got in this dunya, in this worldly life. But a lot of us don't see it like that. A lot of us think, okay, Allah didn't give me what I was asking for. That means forget it, like Allah's ignoring me. No, keep the second one in mind, which is actually Allah has just stored something better for you in the akhirah. Great, okay? Number three, if you are not given what you asked for, and let's say you don't get something better in the akhirah, there's still actually a third outcome, which Ibn Kathir mentions, which is that Allah will remove a difficulty or hardship from your life that was already coming your way. So it was destined to come your way, but Allah removes that difficulty and hardship from your life. That's the third outcome. And again, the, the crazy thing about that one as well is that we would never know. We would never know. We would never have known that Allah has removed it because it wouldn't have hit us. It wouldn't have struck us at that point. So imagine that we made dua for something. Allah didn't give it. But because Allah appreciated us making dua, Allah said, fine, you know what? Next week, this person was supposed to, uh, let's say, uh, been involved in some sort of accident. I'm going to remove this difficulty calamity from his life, just as an example, right? And Allah removes this difficulty from that person's life. And they just carrying on the same way that uh, they would have done as normal. So subhanAllah, these are the three outcomes. I want you to keep them in mind. Three outcomes for dua, because Allah will never ignore you. Allah always responds to dua, like he promised in the Quran. It's just that maybe he responds in different ways. And his responses are not exactly what we wanted, but actually they're going to be better than we wanted. The final thing is when we make dua, when we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we, we can't just ask Allah at times of need 
Only when we need something, only when times are hard, only when times are difficult. We need to ask Allah also when things are good, when life is good, when life is, is you know, things are going well for us, when things are on the up, when there's highs in our life, we still continue remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We can't just ask Allah when a calamity strikes. We can't do that. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the example of these people in the Quran that yes, when something bad happens, when something evil strikes them, they turn to Allah. And they, they turn back to him and they make dua to him and they ask Allah to remove this difficulty. But as soon as Allah removes it from them and Allah gives them something good, when Allah gives them something good and gives them a blessing, then what do they do? They forget about the dua that they made just before that. They forget about Allah and they go, uh, they go on with life just as they were doing. We can't be those people that just turn to Allah when times are. Uh, when times are difficult we have to make our voices familiar with Allah at all times like the Prophet ﷺ said he said uh, he said that that make yourself familiar with Allah in times of ease and prosperity and goodness and Allah will remember you and he will recognize your voice when it comes to times of difficulty and again the other example i will give another example i'll give you real life scenario which is let's say you've got a friend or let's say you've got someone that you know who only comes to you or who only calls you for a favor when they're going through a difficult time so imagine they haven't been in touch with you for 6 months 12 months one and a half years and the only time you get a call from them is when they need something from you you pick up the phone assalamualaikum how's it going and they're like yeah alhamdulillah not too bad but you know i need 50 pounds, I need 50 dollars, I really need your help right now. What are you going to turn around and say? You're going to be like, you know what? At least you could have, if you were a true friend, you would have been in touch with me all of this time. But you just come to me every time for a favor. Okay? And with Allah, we can't be like that. We can't do that with Allah. That The only time we go to Allah is when we need a favor, when we need something. No, we have to remember Allah consistently throughout. So, that when the time of difficulty does come, and it will come, everyone does face difficulties, Allah will remember your voice and be like, oh, this is my servant who was always calling me. You know what? I'm definitely going to help him this time or her this time. Right? And the, the best example of that is Yunus alayhi salam. When he was stuck in the belly of the whale, right? And he was there, some scholars mentioned for about 40 days or so, he was stuck in the belly of the whale. He was in the deepest, darkest place that no one has ever been. No one's been in the belly of a whale and no one's made dua from the belly of the whale, right? But the, the, the narration state that when he called out to Allah, when he made the dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, La ilaha illa ant, subhanaka inni kuntu min al-dhalimeen. The angels, they said to Allah, Oh Allah, we can hear a familiar voice from a very unfamiliar place. Because the familiar voice was Yunus alayhi salam. Why was it a familiar voice? Because he wasn't just calling Allah in that time of distress and darkness. He was constantly calling Allah throughout the days, throughout the years. Whenever he was going through good, he was always calling Allah. Uh, calling Allah. And the reason why it was an unfamiliar place, because no one's ever called Allah from the belly of a whale. This is unheard of. So they were like, you know, we can, we can somehow recognize his voice, but it's, it's not from a normal place. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is my servant Yunus. Whatever he's asking for, fine, give it to him, subhanAllah. Right? So this is how we should be. We should be like Yunus alayhi salam. We should be like Zakaria. We should be like all of these amazing prophets, Musa and everyone else, right? That I've mentioned when it comes to making dua. So hopefully these tips have been helpful, inshallah. 
Um, it's almost like the art of dua or how to master your dua. There is a way of making dua, and all of us are going through difficulty. All of us will go through, you know, those times in our life of distress and hardship. Um, but dua is literally a way out, and dua is a lifeline for us. And if we learn how to master dua, and if we learn how to make dua properly, effectively, trust me, inshallah, through Allah subhanahu wa taala's will. Uh, we will, uh, you know, uh, it will be transformative for us in our own lives. So hopefully this has been beneficial, inshallah. Try to bring all of these tips uh, into your life and try it out, like I said, inshallah. From today, try it out. Start making dua and then start timing yourself, seeing, and then it will, inshallah, soon uh, become very, very natural. Don't forget, of course, to make dua for your own selves. Make dua for your family members. Make dua for the entire ummah. Because there's a lot of difficulty. Let's make dua for all of our brothers and sisters. And don't forget to make dua for me and the whole Elmfeed family, the whole Elmfeed team, inshallah. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you share, inshallah. And from your host, Shabir, I hope to be back with you all soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.